Hey everybody, uh, Ben and I are here. Uh, we're going to talk about lifting and injury risk. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because I so I gave a talk recently. I talked about the importance of muscle mass for longevity and cognitive function and preventing cognitive decline. And we can talk about some of those numbers as part of this. Um, but one of the things that came up is a couple of people came up to me and said, you know, you're recommending lifting. Uh, you know, what about the injury risk from lifting? Um, and <laughs> this just drives me really crazy uh, because first of all, and we'll talk about the numbers. First of all, lifting is like body, bo bodybuilding style lifting using resistance training to specifically increase muscle mass. It's incredibly safe. It's probably one of the lowest um, or the, the most safe training modalities in terms of injury risk. And then when you translate it to other injury risks that are associated with having a low muscle mass, which is what we have in the, in the general population. I think based on current CDC numbers, in any three-month period, a quarter of the adult population will have low back pain. Um, and then when you look at falls risk, those over 65, there are about 50 million over 65-year-olds in the US, 36 million of those will have a fall every year, right? And that is directly correlated to, you know, low muscle mass, low type 2 muscle fibers, you know, fast twitch, being able to stabilize yourself and prevent yourself from falling over. So when somebody says don't lift cause injuries, um, it's just, in, it's just completely insane. Like I can't, can't really describe it any other way. I mean, so, in, ben, in the risk of dying, if you, if, if one of those individuals falls, I think your risk of dying is, it depends on the study, but it's like anywhere between 30 and 50%, correct? Yeah. So 30, so it depends on the, so it's, that high if you fracture something when you fall so i think 36 million people have significant falls elderly have significant falls per year 36,000 die as a direct result of that fall but if you if you have a fall and you break a hip uh you have a 50 percent chance of dying in the following year right i mean that's it's huge right and then telling people you know like don't go and lift because you might tweak something and like you're, you're pr maybe preventing somebody falling and breaking your hip and dying from that. Yeah. Like just the, the scale of the risk isn't even close. Um, so, so actually a lot of the stuff is that I then talked about because of that came from numbers from papers that you sent me. So let's, let's talk about those. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely a lot of fear when it comes to like people bodybuilding, but I, I always, that's because of, of, of a lot of the narratives that have people that people have in their head, but people don't have those narratives around like curves or like very circuit based machine based training. Hmm. Um, and those are, those people think are prototypically safe. And, and so I'm not asking that everyone does CrossFit and I wouldn't, I don't, I CrossFit is probably I don't want to get sued because people have actually gotten sued over this um, <laughs> is I think CrossFit compared to bodybuilding is going to be like 30 X. Whereas bodybuilding compared to just like novice running. So if you look at just get, just do it like Nike commercial, let's just get, let's just throw all the names out there and get sued by everyone. Um, so <laughs> novice running generally has an injury risk of about 17.8 uh, per 1000 hours and bodybuilding. If you look at the epidemiological research, this is self-reported numbers, right? So a 0.24, um, injuries per 1000 hours. Uh, so monumentally less from a bodybuilding perspective. 
Strong. Like, it's, it's, it's somewhere like, it's, so like on average, you're probably looking somewhere between a 10X and 100X risk of bodybuilding type training versus just going and running. Jogging. Right. And like, and also, and that's per hour. And then I think, you know, so, so, so you were going to go into like strongman and powerlifting and these other, uh, you know, these other training modalities, the risk then increases even more. It's, it's heavier weights. They're working harder, maybe positionally like risk with strongman, that kind of stuff. But for like the average person just going and doing, and it can be machine-based, right? That's fine. A lot of bodybuilding is machine-based. That's great. No problem at all. You don't need to be deadlifting barbells, um, right? the risk is much, much lower. And then, and running is much, much higher, but nobody says, Hey, you don't go running because you have an injury risk. But I read somewhere that 20% of people training for like five K's and 10 K's get injured during that training. Right. And you think about how millions of people do this every year. And so like the injury risk is much, much higher for running. I'm not saying you shouldn't run. I'm just saying that comparatively the bodybuilding risk is much lower and you probably need to do a lot less time training with bodybuilding style training to get the kind of benefits that we're talking about. Yeah. The, the minimal effective dose here is absolutely bonkers. So I think people who like jogging, they jog a lot. Um, and and so there's this, there's a volume there that they, that they, that they like to hit, that they enjoy to hit. And I have, I I have nothing against running other than I hate running. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And so like, I, I, I absolutely like, I'm admitting my bias. If you love running, go running. Like I, I'm not telling people, I'm not trying to tell people what to do, but we're having illogical conversations about this. Mm. And, and that's what bothers me. Um, because you could, if you want to just, maintain muscle mass throughout the life course and train yourself not to fall down. Um, I think maybe triathlons can do that, to be honest. Like, I think they, I, I think they can, I think you could, you could run. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to run forever, but you can probably do endurance based training and probably dare I say it, maintain muscle mass that you would need to not fall down throughout the life course. The one caveat I have with that is that you specific, you tend to lose type two muscle fibers with specific endurance training. And those are the muscle fibers that you need for like fast twitch to prevent yourself from falling down. So I'd still want some strength training, even though you can maintain muscle mass, you might not get the fibers that you need. Yeah. There's a big argument to like the main thing that older people need is like power training. Hmm. Like, so they, they probably, they need to throw med balls and stuff. Um, And so there is an argument to be had there. I, I, I mean, so I would argue that you can probably, if we look at Schoenfeld's results, like Schoenfeld did a meta-analysis um, and the group that did under five sets, they got 40 to 60% of the results that the group doing nine plus 10 plus sets per week got. Um, so like there is, there's, you can get more results by doing more. And the threshold for untrained people is fairly low. Like, I don't think that you're going to get more results, at, like just adding more. Eventually, I think you're going to get into what, what Israel calls max adaptive volume, max recovery volume. Like you're going to, you're going to surpass what you need. So the minimal effective dose for untrained people and for maintaining muscle mass throughout the life course, I put it at three to six sets per week. And I think some people can even make gains at one set per week. And I think you can probably maintain your results at one to three sets per week. Um, per and this is, so, so this is, yeah. So, so to kind of make this accessible to a wide audience, like we're talking once one, you know, maybe one set, ideally like three to four sets per muscle group per week. And that's basically taking that muscle group to voluntary muscular failure. 
Right. You don't even need to do that. Like, I don't even think so. Untrained people, like they, this is, this is where I'll have like managed expectations. Right. Like if someone wants to go to the gym and they want to feel things, they want to like, they want to be fatigued. They want to feel a burn, if you will, which is not lactic acid. Um, if they, if they want to, if they have a sensory thing that they want to feel, I will honor that. And I will do that. You do not need that to make progress. You, those are, I'm not, I'm not chasing like exercise is a drug. Like it has a lot of the same things that drugs have. Like it gives you a lot of those same, same feelings. Um, if, if we want to ride that feeling train, I'll ride it. Um, but from a results standpoint, I think that even if, if you're untrained, you want to be in an exercise where you feel confident and secure. Mm. And then you, so you want to be where you feel safe and you can expend effort. Um, and this is one of the reasons that I think CrossFit and I'm going to see it again, um, CrossFit and a lot of like compound lifting resistance training programs in untrained individuals do not see monumental gains because there's a learning curve. People have to learn how to do the develop the skill first. They have to learn how to be able to expend effort and, and feel safe. Right. And then, and then they can kind of make gains. And, and so I'm always asking like, is that, do I need someone to learn a deadlift? Like, do I care? Like, does that person care about a deadlift or can I get, can I get hamstrings another way? Can I get a posterior chain exercise? Can I get it another way? Um, deadlift's a great exercise. How can I, could I do a kettlebell swing? How can I, can I teach that? Can I teach that in a different way? Um, and so from the bodybuilding research, if we're going to extrapolate it, I would, if we're trying to be like the most efficient, I would do compound movements. I don't care if like, if you use compound barbell or freeway exercises, there's going to be a learning curve there. Like, if you try to max somebody out on a goblet squat, if you're, you're probably, if you're untrained, you're not going to be able to do that to failure. Something else is going to be the limiter. It's not going to be your muscles. Um, might even be the cardiovascular system, but, or it's going to be just your brain be like, nope. Um, and, and you would eventually like, the thing is like, you would just do it differently. Like you would use different muscles and it wouldn't even look like a squat anymore. So like you probably, it's not in your best interest to go to mo momentary volitional failure. If you're untrained, not in your best interest. Um, you want to do good reps. So I would say to make this super applicable for people, I would start, I'm just going to use like appeal to authority here to the nines. Um, I would start with two sets per muscle group twice a week. And so, and and we're probably talking like ideally you have access to a to a gym, right? Let's do it without a gym. Okay, Let's so so okay, so so say you don't have a gym, we want to do two sets per muscle group twice a week. What exercises are we doing? I would do so. I would break it down into prototypical like push pull, lower body, upper body type things. Um, so, if someone has like. I've built during the pandemic, I've helped people build out like cheap as possible gym setups. Yeah. Um, and I think you can do it for definitely under $400. I think you do it for under $300 easily. Um, you could, if you're just starting, you could get 50 pound power blocks, which are dumbbells that are, you can flip around, you can change. Um, and then you need, all you would need is a weight bench and then some, some resistance bands. If you can get that and you don't like, say you don't want to go to the gym, I think, I think with just that, you can maintain the muscle that you want for the life course um, with just those implements and under, under, under 300 to 400 bucks. Um, and what I would program in that, if, if I always think like, how can we, how can we create constraints so that it's applicable for people? Um, I would do a 
dumbbell press, a feet up dumbbell press. And I can link all of these out from Ryan, uh, a, a feet up dumbbell press. Um, I would do a circuit training. So, I, cause I'm trying to be as efficient as possible, yeah. but I don't want like people to be out of breath. I don't want out of breath to be the limiter. Um, so I would do a feet up dumbbell bench press. Then I would go to likely a chest supported dumbbell row or a one arm dumbbell row. Um, then I would, I would go to likely a goblet squat. You could make the argument to go single leg, but I think that adds a balance balance component um, that I wouldn't want to put in the, in the beginning. So most people, like if I think about a female, they may eventually they're going to run on runway with two fifties. But if you were, if you're a female and you run on runway with two fifties on dumbbells, you're pretty strong. Like, I mean, you're, you're not like powerlifting strong, like elite powerlifting, but, you're, but, you, have, for, but you, you have achieved the strength that we know is enough to like not absolutely. be associated with increased mortality, right? That absolutely. Is, you've achieved the goal. If you're just trying to aim for long-term health. Absolutely. I would, I would bet the farm uh, yeah. guys too, honestly. Yeah. Um, I, I would, I would, I would, I think they can probably get up to seventies. Um, and, and this is not a sexist thing. Um, males, we are sexually dimorphic species. And, and so males will generally be around 15 to 20% bigger, but females can make the same amount of gains comparatively. Um, yeah. and so upper body, you, you're going to fifties for a female is, is great. A low, maybe 60s, 70s on a row would be really, really strong to me. Um, but you can always take the reps up, right? You can do 50s for, for more reps. Um, and But you're eventually going to run on a runway on the lower body with, with that. Um, and so that, it, just to keep it untrained, just starting, I would feed up dumbbell press, two sets of 12 to 15. I'd stay in that 12 to 15 range. Um, anywhere in there. I wouldn't go higher than that. I wouldn't go lower than that. Um, may, the lowest I would go with someone who's untrained is maybe 10. Um, I don't think there's a point in the literature shows. There's not really a point in going over 65% of one rep max, which is probably around those rep ranges. Um, and, and so dumbbell feet, feet up dumbbell press, some type of, some type of rowing thing. Um, and then I would do a goblet squat. Um, and then I would probably do a lap pull down uh, with those resistance bands hmm. um, because you're, if we think about the upper back musculature, a row is going to be mostly rhomboids, traps, posterior delt. Um, so it's so like, like upper back, upper back. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think you're, you're missing a big chunk of that back by, by using like, so I think if you do a true um, a lap pull down, um, where you're actually targeting the lats, I think that's going to, I, I would, I would actually put that in there. Um, Cause I think it's going to give you a little bit more bang for your buck. And this is just uh, something you can like anchor, like you stuff where you can for 10 or 15 bucks, just like anchor to a door or something. And you can, you can get that, that movement. in. Yeah. During, during the pandemic, I lifted with uh, all I had was I had a 90 pound set in the beginning of the power block pandemic. All I had was a 90 pound set of power blocks and a bunch of resistance bands. And honestly, I got, I got some, fantastic pumps um for for that month um so i definitely think you can you and also honestly i kind of offloaded my joints too um mm. so i so i i as much as i didn't enjoy it I, I i did appreciate the constraints um so lap pull out and then probably 
with that weight, the only thing you're going to get on posterior chain is that's going to be kind of beneficial, um, would be a kettlebell swing. Um, and, and you can do that with a dumbbell. You can do it with yeah. two hands on that dumbbell. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be, that would be the setup that I would run, um, for someone who, who doesn't want to go to the gym. So, so if you, if you do want to go to the gym, right. I mean, you know, planet fitness, right. Somewhere like five to 10 bucks a month or something. Um, you could go, so a similar setup twice a week, two sets per muscle group, 12 to 15 reps. What are we doing? Like a, a chest exercise, a leg press, maybe a leg curl and a couple of different types of rows, something like that. Yeah. I think there you, you gotta, I would preferentially in the beginning, I would probably lean towards machines. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in this scenario, if someone's untrained, I'm here's what I would do as, as, as my, however many years I've been doing this, I was a certified personal trainer when I was 19, very terrible, uh, means nothing. Uh, uh, basically just training people how I trained, which was muscle fitness magazines. Um, and so there, here's how I would do this now is I would do one to two sets of machines. And then if people wanted to, I would help them learn the movements. So I would rely on those, like, I would call them like low movement IQ movements where they don't have to like their nervous system isn't having to do a lot of stuff to, to keep them stable. And, and they're able, you know, they're like, you do a light press, you can feel that working. Like, yeah, your knees can cave in. You can, you can do a lot of things wrong, but it's probably, it's a lot easier to do right than a back squat. Yeah. Um, and so like, it depends on what, uh, what they have there. I would probably go with like a hack squat over a leg press i like mm-hmm. i like the movements where the body's moving more so than the implements moving yeah okay um so you could you could do if you so just to keep it simple you could do like a machine circuit where you did um you did a chest press like if i'm training my mom like and i, I i'm training my mom this is exactly what i did i yeah. do i did uh we did chest press then we did the they have a chest supported row thing um, and then, then we went over and we did, it was really, really hard, but we did the, the leg press where she's moving. Um, she's just holds on the handles and, and she's moving. Uh, and, and then, then we did the lap pull down machine. Um, and that was it. That was yeah. it. We did two sets of that, two circuits of that. Uh, and my mom doesn't want to learn any of these other exercises. So we didn't do any right. of those other exercises. It was done. That was the end. And of you the could session. do that. It's half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe Easy. once yeah, you like, an warm hour. up and all that stuff. Yeah. Great. Sure. Perfect. And that's, that's, and, and like, that's, that's what we're saying, right? So you do that twice a week. That's an hour a week. If you think about your injury risk per thousand hours, you're doing 50 yeah. hours, 50 hours a year, right? That's 20 years on average to maybe get one injury at the, at, and that's at the high end of the estimate of risk for bodybuilding, right? How low is that injury risk for like potentially massive, you know, prevention of, of all these other things? I have that's gonna, not to say that you're not going to be sore in the beginning. Yes. So I like I'll always tell people like you're going to be sore especially if we put in anything single leg, I don't know what it is about lunges, but if you want to make someone quit the game just or if they really like if they're a masochist, just put some kind of single leg eccentric component in there. No they'll they'll be they'll be sore. Uh you're going to be sore for 2 to 3 weeks, but then that's going to it's going to it's going to kind of go away. Yeah. Um and then but then you're then when then, you stop feeling sore, it doesn't mean it's not working still. That's another important two thing, right? Exactly. You don't need to feel sore to get benefit. I think feeling a little sore sometimes is good. Uh, I will, I will <laughs> agree. I will agree with with Israel on that. If you're never ever sore, I you could be not doing anything. So if the yeah. if the reps and the weight are not going up, and that, again, 
if your goal is just not to fall down, that's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad at all. Like if yeah. your goal is to make gains forever, that's a very different goal. Hmm. Um, but I, th- I think the Ronnie Coleman adage is, is very, very, very good here. If you want to get more bigger, you want to lift more weight for more reps. Uh, and so for most people, they're probably never going to get off that carnival ride of gains in the general population. So like, what's the most amount of weight that you can do for 12 to 15 reps. Um, and I think if you, if you run that runway out, you're going to, I can, I would bet 99% of the time you are going to be in that column where you are going to have enough fat free mass to get out of that negative health effect long-term. Yeah. And, and so, and this is kind of what we're talking about here. Like, just having enough muscle and strength for it not to be a limiter in terms of your lifespan and injury and chronic disease risk. And that basically, you know, if you look at the different population analyses, some of which we've done ourselves, it's basically meaning you're in the top third to 50% of people like you in the, in the, in the whole population, right? So it, this is not huge stuff that, that we're, we're trying to expect. But if you're doing your exercises and, you know, over time, every week, every month you add a little bit of weight and you're able to do more and more reps add a bit more weight then you know that you're continuing to progress i have one more scenario for you so say well i don't have 300 to spend on power blocks i can't get to to, to fit to to uh, planet fitness what can i do um just with my body weight just with what i have around the home um and i'm so i'm thinking about things like eccentric right it's just like slowly lowering yourself down right so like if you if you get to your bed and you stand in front of your, like, your bed with your bed behind you, and you just like try and sit down on your bed as slow as you can, right? So then if you fall over, it's fine because you're falling on a bed, but you're getting like this, like that. It, you, it's a certain amount of effort to stop yourself going down. That gives you a training stimulus. So stuff like that, things that we can do with no equipment just to get some stimulus at home. What are your thoughts on that? Anything else that might go with it? Yeah, so, so this, is, this is something that people ask me a lot. This is like the calisthenics crew. Um, I... I speak about strength and conditioning to, to yogis a lot. Um, and, and so there's going to be, I think that you can probably mash upper body pressing. I think you like without any weights, just gymnastics, right? Um, if you think about like gym, just think about a gymnast. Uh, they're pretty jacked, uh, yeah. upper body. Absolutely. So, right. Um, and, and so they're pro- kind of a product of their constraint. And in that they're, but they have a bar, they have, they're able to do pull-ups. Right. Mm. So that's, that's why I think climbing, climbing and yoga have gotten so intertwined is because climbing fits the hole that yoga has because yoga does yoga doesn't necessarily train upper body pulling very well. Mm. Um, So if we're in our house, we don't have access to anything. Um, And and the other thing is like the barrier to doing a pull-up is very high. Right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, it's, it's, for some people, the barrier for doing a push-up is very high, mm. right? And so, for body, sometimes our body weight is too much. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's generally not too much for squats, um, mm. but eventually it's going to be too little. So that's yeah. kind of that's kind of the problem with lower body is eventually you're going to just going to you're going to, and we see that gymnasts don't have massive legs. Um, because they're in general, um, from gymnastics alone. And some gymnasts is going to come at me. Like they have, they there's ways to train your legs without weights that are very, very hard, like mm. shrimp squats, uh, sissy squats. Like there's ways to get around it that, but those are not applicable to most people. Mm. Um, so 
So if we keep it very applicable to to most people, I would say lunges mm. um, are going to be are going to be just like pick an odd object up. Like it doesn't have to be a weight. Like you got a water jug. Like, <laughs> like you got a you like got a, a box, a box of something. Yeah, 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 like yeah, like a sandbag. Like sandbags are really cheap. You can buy a sandbag. Yeah. You can like a you don't box. Have to do it. Yeah, just like buy like some kids play sand from Lowe's or three dollars, whatever. Yeah, three dollars. Exactly. Bunch of people did this at the beginning of the pandemic. They brought yeah. they bought play sandbags for three bucks, yeah. uh, and just hold it right here, like a like a zercher squat. You can you can Google what a zercher squat is. Squat. You can lunge. Yeah. You can, you can you can lower your upper body. The hard like with no equipment, it's actually I think it's easier to just spend three bucks, and you can probably get a pretty massive training load on your lower body. Um, it'll be fairly systemic though. Like the limiter at a certain point won't. And what I mean by that is like. You're just going to get tired and it's not necessarily your muscles getting tired. You're just tired. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's not a, like not a super muscular stimulus. Now the limiter that I think most people are going to get with no equipment is going to be upper body pulling. Yeah. Um, and that's where like, maybe, maybe like a TRX band, some yeah. type, like you can, can you rig that up? And I saw a lot of people in the beginning of the pandemic kind of rigging up ways to do rows uh, with their body weight. Um, and so I, th- I think that's a lot better than trying to just do like mash on eccentrics from a pull-up standpoint. Um, not to say that that's not useful, like slow lowers. Um, yeah. and I, I think slow, slow lower, if you're shit, like if you're so untrained that, and, and there are these populations, right? Like legitimately, if you look at the elderly research, they measure chair stands, you know, yeah. like it, it's chair stands in a minute. Um, and so progressive overload is, is really where you're at now. And so if, if you can only do four chair stands in a minute right now and you get up to 12, that's, that's great. That's, great. that's better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but eventually like, that's not going to be a hypertrophy stimulus. I don't know where the chair stand, where, I don't know where you hit the, that you win the chair stand competition where it's no longer hypertrophy and it's just living life. Um, and the analogy I use for this is if you're untrained and you're sedentary, you can gain muscle going for a walk. Yeah. But eventually you don't gain any muscle walking anymore. Right. So you just run out of, you run out of, I've said this a bunch, but you just, you've, you've ran that adaptive stimulus out. Um, and then you have to go to a new stimulus. So if we think about nothing in the house, I think you can, even with nothing in the house, I think that you can maintain the muscle mass that you need throughout their life course Hmm. with, I would argue like, just with like jump squats yeah. I'd, I'd make that argument um if you can do jump chair stands a lot of them in a minute and you can keep doing that throughout the life course i think you can probably maintain the amount of muscle mass yeah and that's that's hard you you sort of get good at that yeah so th- so then we maybe think so you can probably do um yeah so jump squats anybody can do once you feel confident doing them um the you get some kind of weight be it a sandbag for three bucks or whatever so you can you get you can start to add some weight for pretty much no money and you can squat with that lunge with that um then maybe the 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 first thing we're thinking about is some kind of band or other setup so we can do some kind of rowing with resistant bands for twenty dollars if you only want one thing honestly resistance bands for twenty dollars it is hardest at the bottom it's opposite of a pull-up um where a pull-up is hardest on top like it is it is it is a if you want to spend as little money as possible, if that's the constraint, twenty dollar pack of resistance bands so you can do upper body upper body pulling work, yeah. and and honestly like 
I think people can get pretty jacked just resistance bands. Yeah, like, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and like, so when, when we bucks. first when we first moved to to this house here, it, it was several months before we built the home gym. I had resistance bands. I did some blood blood flow restriction, which we won't get into now because that's like a the next step. But basically, just those things. Basically, no weight and some other stuff. I I mean, I can continue to like make gains, like strength improvements, just just with that. Um, and I, I ordered, yeah, some, some, I think it was Black Mountain products, resistance bands, the tubes with the handles from Amazon for like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. Yeah. You can, there's, there's a resistance bands I think are, are, if you're dumbbell, dumbbell, like very, very, if you want a full gym setup, like we'll, we'll take that constraint out to like a thousand bucks. What I would do with the thousand bucks. The only like how I this is this is gonna boggle people's minds how I would spend my money. Um so I would get power blocks. I think like I would get the power blocks, I would get the weight bench, and then uh in the resistance bands, I think that clears most things. Mm. You if you have the power blocks, I think you can deadlift enough. Like if you had like you could double deadlift um if you got good at it with those with those dumbbells. Um I would probably get some type of leg curl machine um, with the rest of that money. Personally, if, if I'm, if I'm pure bodybuilding training, if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm after a barbell, I'm going to get a barbell with weight. Right. Yeah. If I, if I want to do that, if I'm really after like bodybuilding esque stuff, I'm probably going to get some type of a functional trainer or I'm going to get a leg curl machine, a leg curl, leg extension combo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because that, that allows, if you think about what screws people up the most is they don't have a way to load their legs that is not through their upper body. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like your, your body's ability to hold the weight or support the weight becomes the limiter in the exercise. Yeah. Um, and so you can, people who've never done a hamstring curl. They've probably like never even felt their hamstrings really work like that before um because it's, it is pretty hard to feel and i think what this partly makes the point which is a very important point which is that a, a barbell is often not the fastest way to gaining muscle often it's a specific machine right and so so often i think people are intimidated by barbell lifting and that kind of stuff and so we're trying to make the point that you don't even need that not even close would you ever need that in order to gain significant muscle so like in that kind of scenario you're talking about some like a, a machine so leg curl leg extension com- combination where you can specifically l- like load the the muscles of the lower body um without any significant skill or expertise in terms of lifting and you're probably going to get more specific gains uh without you know having to do anything that's particularly complex yeah i mean if i'm training a general population person who doesn't know what the word barbell means, I will be honest, they will probably never see a barbell. Yeah. And which is great. No problem whatsoever. And and like this is another so I think this is another problem which which has been aimed at me. And I'm sure it would be aimed at you in a similar scenario, which is that if you look at us and we're here telling people to lift weights, the assumption is that we think you should look like us. And we absolutely do not. You and I are well above the like point of diminishing returns in terms of muscle mass and health and that kind of stuff. We, we, we lift weights for other reasons and we have m- more than enough muscle mass and strength that will, will be required to prevent falls and injury risk and, and, and that kind of stuff. 
And just because a certain person looks a certain way does not mean that they think you need to look that way in order to see benefit. And I think that's a really important point to make because at least that's been a, that's been a, like somebody looks at me and they're like, oh, you know, I, I hate the bodybuilding culture and, you know, you look too bulky. And I think, you, you know, I, I wouldn't want to look like you. And like, that's fine. I don't think you need to. Absolutely solid, not. Solid neg by that person. I yeah. Appreci- I appreciate that. And that's, fu- and that's fine. Like, and so that's, that's a point that's, a, it's, it's difficult because I don't want the messenger to uh, like create a problem around the message, right? There's a, there's, there should be completely, could be completely separate. And I yeah, want that, like, to we- make that point. I think one of the big problems in fitness is trainers in general, people that love fitness create extreme reach barriers around muscle. They create extreme reach barriers about around fitness, man. I think you can get results. I'll, I'll dare I say it on the internet. You may even get results with one set per week of resistance training. If you haven't trained before, you could get results one set per week, just going in there doing one set for 15 minutes, just go around, do one set of the machines, walk out of there, give everyone who looks like me the flip on the bird <laughs> like it could it, i think that you could get results um yeah. and, and is everybody gonna get results doing that no uh it, are you gonna get results forever doing that absolutely not but could you maintain the muscle mass that you need from a health perspective doing that yeah i think so yeah. i think so um so i don't i mean i'm not gonna go to planet fitness myself but i am glad that planet fitness exists me too. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> we've got it. We've got we've got it in writing, sort of. We've got it verbally confirmed. It's been recorded. It's going on the internet. Um, yeah. So so I think that I think this has been super useful. I hope it's been useful to people listening that you can basically do this regardless of what you have, your level of access. You will be able to get enough of a stimulus to get the muscle and strength that is associated with increase longevity and, and reduce chronic disease risk. Um, and, you know, the the injury risk from doing that is super minor compared to most other forms of exercise that people recommend. Um, and, you know, the the benefits massively out, out, outweigh the risks. And we, we kind of hope that you're reducing some of the stereotype that comes around lifting weights, going to the gym, that kind of stuff. Nobody needs to look like a bodybuilder to see this benefit. Um, and if you don't want to go to a gym, then you can get all this stuff uh, at home. And I, I hope that sort of like inspires people to to, to try this stuff out. Love it. Love it, man. Yeah. Thanks for will... <laughs> Sorry, you were going to say something and I just interrupted you. I was just like, I'll cut you no, off. No, I, I, I think, I think, I, I, I do think that your objective numbers are helpful for people. Um, like Tommy, Tommy, Tommy did the analysis of looking at Ed Haynes and, and I don't want to shortchange him. Um, and so like, if you're looking for numbers of where this break point is for health, it's probably a 14 on an FFMI for females. Right. And then a 16 yeah. for men. Yeah. So this is, uh, if, if we just said a, b- a bunch of stuff that doesn't, that doesn't compute FFMI is the fat free mass index is basically the same as a BMI, but after you've taken away body fat, so body fat doesn't make any difference in this scenario. And I think that's important to say as well, like what we really care here about here is muscle. Um, and so you can calculate this yourself. There are calculators online if you Google FFMI calculator. You just need to put in uh, your weight, your height, and some way of estimating your body fat percentage just so it can remove that from the equation. You can do, there are ways to do that with just like pictures of yourself. You, there are ways to do this like with different scales of the gym, that kind of stuff. You can do it with, you know, calipers and all this kind of stuff. So just like estimate that. And then for where you see the risk, 
the mortality decrease is once you hit an FFMI of 14 in women and 15 in men. And probably if you, and then I've done additional analyses that show that if you add another one on the, for each one you add on the FFMI above that, so say you go from 17 to 18 or 18 to 19 in men, 14 to 15, 15 to 16 in women. So I think kind of 19 and 16, probably the, the real optimal targets, because then those additions are another like 20% reduction in mortality um, associated with that, which is really, which is really significant mortality risk over 10 years. Um, so in most people, adding one to your FFMI is probably about eight, eight to 10 pounds of muscle, which you can easily do, you know, over a year or two of training, uh, you know, without much, much hard work. Yeah. I, I, those, those 16, 16 in females and 19 for males. I think most people can get there in a, in a year of good training. Um, and I think that's going to, and some people might already be there just from their prior life experience, but I think those are the, those are the break points from, from an all cause mortality. And I would argue past that point, you really are from an opportunity. Like I talked to a lot of people who are computer programmers or into finance, into finance. And like your opportunity cost there is atrocious. Like once you, once, once you get past 19, so we can finish this thing off by making fun of ourselves. Yeah. Um, like Tommy and I, Tommy, Tommy's, Tommy's enormous individual. I mean, he's going to lift at least I'm sure of it. He's going to lift 10 million pounds this year. How many, he probably eats how many pounds of food you eat a day? Five, six, seven oh, pounds. At least, of yeah. Yeah. Just something like that. He's going to eat 2000 pounds of food this year. I mean, it, and how many pounds of muscle are, are you going to gain, Tommy, this year? Maybe. I mean, if I if I gain two or three, I'll be really happy. <laughs> two or three pounds. I would I would be over the moon if I gained two or three pounds of muscle. Yeah. So so already you can see he's going to lift millions of pounds, eat thousands of pounds, and if he's lucky, gain a nominal amount of muscle. Um, and, and so the opportunity cost is immense um, at a certain point. And and so if you don't want to do that, don't do that. Just get in, just get enough and then stay there throughout the life course. Yeah. Get in and out of the gym half an hour, twice a week. That's more than enough. Um, and yeah, huge benefit just to come from that. Thanks. I love it. I love it.